Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Richard here with star guest Heather, who got a mention on Sunday. And, and you have been on the podcast before. I well. have been, yeah. Yes, but it's been yeah. quite a long time. Yes, true. And uh, I mentioned on Sunday that there's all sorts of thoughts I was having about forgiveness and shame and love and the theology of that, but mm -hmm. the psychology of that. Mm. And um, whenever I'm thinking like, hmm, am I understanding how humans actually work? Mm. Uh, Heather's someone I'll always want to be like, hey, what do you think of this? Oh. And so we ended up having a great conversation. Um, and then I wish we'd recorded it. And so we're there's no way you can like do over a conversation. You drive yourself mad. So we're going to have just another conversation um, because you, I guess we should, because it's been a while, we should intro you as sure, well. Sure. Um, you're not just like the sort of person who seems to know how people work, although you are. <laughs> that. Maybe <laughs> an android. You have, you have <laughs> credentials and professional experience, so you're a really good person mm, to mm. sort of have insight into these oh. things. Well, well, I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, it probably is something that started in kindergarten in terms of a gift, <laughs> and <laughs> some credentials and letters have been added too. So, yes. yeah, yeah. And you were even saying like some of this stuff around like anxiety and vulnerability and things was a part of your. Uh, PhD, there was something you mentioned as well. So that's true. This, yeah, that like there's some aspects of these themes that you've really done a deep dive on. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I I did recently write my dissertation on anxiety among Christian leaders because I was very curious when God tells us repeatedly, "Do not be anxious, do not worry." Mm. Are Christian leaders? following that or not? And how does that line up with non-Christian leaders? So I ended mm. up doing multiple interviews and focus groups with Christian and non-Christian yep. leaders. I remember you did a little survey yeah. with me. Yeah, there you go. You remember that? <laughs> and what I found out was not only are Christian leaders more anxious than non-Christian leaders, but the number one cause of anxiety among Christian leaders was shame. Mm. So shame is that notion that I'm not enough. Yeah. Guilt, I did something wrong. Shame, I am um, wrong. Yeah. So intri that, that intrigues so, me as well. Yeah, and yeah. you could do like, you don't really do two PhDs, but you could do an, a whole other research project on like, where's that shame come from? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive, massive million dollar question. Right, right? absolutely. And, and, yeah. and in sitting in the role of Is a marriage family therapist and like, a, yeah. a, as a counselor, I mean, that's something I see people swimming in and stuck mm -hmm. in whether you're Christian or not Christian. Yeah. Um, that is just one of the pervasive things that we as people are stuck in. Let me let me ask you, this isn't at all what I planned us <laughs> launching into, but, but I think it'll get us to the, okay. the, the themes of Sunday of like the woman and her shame and forgiveness mm. and things. Uh, which, by the way, the story was uh, in Luke. It was uh, in Luke 7, the woman um, who was uh, washing Jesus's feet with her hair and... Um, yeah, ki kissing his feet, crying, and Jesus kind of turning the tables on shame, pronouncing her forgiveness in the midst of all these people who are thinking, mm. oh my goodness, how's he letting her touch mm -hmm. her, mm -hmm. touch him? Mm -hmm. Just a little context. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this, this thing of like Christian leaders, but then you see that dynamic of shame so much. Right. And it, it does have to do with like um, self-identity, 
mm-hmm. self-worth, like mm-hmm. some really interesting, like mm-hmm. the way we see ourselves, right. the truths we speak over ourselves, mm-hmm. the narratives we have about ourselves, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and this is uh, probably a question that you could speak on now for six hours. So this is, I'm very aware I'm going to ask you a question and it's desperately unfair. <laughs> but they're probably the okay. best questions. Okay. Like open a can of worms. <laughs> Because, and the connections I'm thinking when it comes to like shame and forgiveness and our interactions with God, resolving that dynamic and with each other, resolving that dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just really aware as a pastor connecting with people Mm. and talking to people and seeing that dynamic in people. Sometimes it's like circumstantial. There's like life events, interactions you've had, events, things people have said that have like created that narrative yeah right sometimes i'm really aware it's like oh this isn't like i don't think anyone's like done something but i think that spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. i think the enemy Mm -hmm. is trying to create Mm -hmm. this narrative Mm -hmm. and sometimes i think it's just bad theology Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the people have just got like a hole where Mm -hmm. something ought to create freedom or ought to unlock something and it's like there's a there's a missing piece sure and maybe it's more than just those three but Mm -hmm. i'm just sort of interested because you've looked at this a lot right you know, how do you see those three dynamics yeah, in our culture, you mm-hmm. know, like in a Portland? Mm-hmm. Do you see mm-hmm. like one of those being dominant or, mm-hmm. do, or is it are normally all three present? Because that's like that's mm-hmm. practical for people to realize mm-hmm. about themselves. Like, oh, if I'm experiencing that dynamic, there might be more than one thing for me to look out for. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, I think you hit on a key word there, Richard, and that's the word of narrative, because when we look at it, it's everything that we're carrying in our head, because what we think is going to translate into how we feel, and what we feel is going to translate into what actions we take. So when we hold these deeply rooted stories about ourselves, whether they're things that people have told us to be true about ourselves, and they're quite actually lies, or whether it is Satan and his lies that he's weaving into our lives, or whether, like you said, the third notion is this um, poor theology. It all has to do with what we're holding on as truth that really in all actuality may not be factual, but rather are just thoughts. Mm. Yeah. And because sometimes it's... um I think people realize their narratives may be a bit more in the questions that recur to them rather than the facts they think mm-hmm. about themselves. Mm-hmm. So it it might not be so much the sort of thought, oh, I can't do that. Because um, I think often in our culture, things manifest a little bit more in anxieties. Mm. So it's a bit more of a, oh, I'm not sure I could do that. Or I think I would fail if I tried that. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just our way into realizing those things, those dynamics at work in us. Right, right. And it's not just I may fail, but rather true shame belief systems are I am a failure. I am yeah. not enough. Yeah. And, and so that's where the question comes from. Right. It's that doubting of right. Right. something. And that's, I mean, that's Satan's job, right, yeah. is to convince you you're not enough. And yeah. quite frankly, that's a lot of our cultural yeah. job as well. You don't have enough. You're not doing enough. You're not wearing enough. You yeah. don't live enough. You don't drive enough. Yeah. And so that's a predominant message. Yeah. And when you're, when you're told that as a kid as well, if that came from your family of origin, then you have this huge chorus in your head mm-hmm. convincing you that you are not enough. Yeah. Right? 
And so then we have that internal critical voice that develops. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting if, uh, you know, the enemy's really subtle. So mm-hmm. the spiritual warfare aspect mm-hmm. of this, mm-hmm. if Satan just came to us and told us, you're worthless, mm-hmm. you shouldn't try and do anything. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty easy to identify. We'd mm-hmm. probably have some good conversations mm-hmm. with people and they would be like, oh, no, that's definitely a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we carry around in our head the, oh, I just don't think, I'm not sure I'm enough. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, just mm-hmm. the questioning version, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that doesn't, we don't let that out of the box as much because yeah. we're not quite sure how to frame it or articulate mm-hmm. it or mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to have mm-hmm. self-awareness mm-hmm. in that zone. Mm-hmm. And we can spend a long time mm-hmm. coming to the realization like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I believe something about myself that's mm-hmm. at the root of that nagging mm-hmm. doubt about mm-hmm. myself right. or something right. God might have asked me to do mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or just my expectations, mm-hmm. I guess, because mm-hmm. yeah, our mm-hmm. expectations get shaped by narratives mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. right, as, mm-hmm. as well as the present self. Yep, yep. It's the, yeah. that, the future possibilities yeah. as well. Yep, right. And it's a very vulnerable place to be because where do you say, I believe that I'm not enough? in this culture that says you need to do everything right and you need to do everything not only right but maybe perfectly so that you can get the accolades and affirmation that you're looking for. Now, that's all kind of a false love, if you will. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, our culture's got this really weird, like, speaking out of both sides of its mouth at the same time thing Mm. because it is, we are constantly marketed to in a way that says you are not enough you don't have Mm -hmm. enough like all that list of Mm -hmm. things you don't Mm -hmm. drive enough Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but we also have a cultural voice that says just be authentic Mm -hmm. just you do you just be naturally who you are Mm -hmm. and you'll be perfect Mm -hmm. so it's like those can't both be true at the same time Mm -hmm. and and i wonder how much our culture's like love affair with the you do you narrative is actually a form, uh, like an attempt to escape the other narrative, but it's not a healthy way of doing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sort of interesting the way that that has become a thing in the midst of our like uh, mass marketing culture driving insecurity right. into us all right. the time. Yeah. Well, it's really created this culture. It's a narcissistic culture of, of self-love that I can all by myself without connection to anybody else, I can be all that I need to be. And that's not biblical either. God said we we are created for relationship, not only with yourself, with others, but with me. And so when we take those with others and with God out, then what I see is becomes quite this narcissistic, all be me at the expense of everybody else. And we get a very internal focus that also is not healthy. Yeah. And to bring it uh, like to bring it into uh, the theme of forgiveness Mm -hmm. a little bit, Mm -hmm. that one of the really interesting things to me is it is a kind of uh, Mm self-love, but it's a dysfunctional Mm self-love because if you loved yourself really well, Mm -hmm. then it ought to be easy to forgive yourself. Mm. But we live in a culture where forgiving yourself is really Mm -hmm. difficult. Mm So there's something to talk about there, mm-hmm. but maybe before mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. it's to talk about, and this was one of the things I talked about on Sunday is this mm-hmm. connection. I f- and, and it was one of those things, um, I just felt like, man, that's a sort of nagging realization I think is really important mm-hmm. is the connection between like shame, forgiveness and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the way I framed it on Sunday was that, um, you know, shame 
makes our being vulnerable a bad. Mm. It makes it risky, so mm-hmm. we don't want to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We want to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. put walls up. Mm-hmm. And, and not only do we sort of isolate ourselves mm-hmm. and things like that, but it sort of leaves a flavor in our soul where making vulnerable is we have an aversion to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is that love requires vulnerability. Yeah. And if we've got an aversion to that, yeah. then we're going to have an aversion to the very resource we need to love. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. this connection mm-hmm. between our capacity to love, and not mm-hmm. just love, because mm-hmm. that capacity, that vulnerability to go love someone, mm-hmm. I think it's, it takes a vulnerability to let someone love you as well. Sure. So both, both mm-hmm. sides, both mm-hmm. aspects, is really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about the power of mm-hmm. forgiveness mm-hmm. to kind of create a freedom. Mm-hmm. And the, so there's a sort of connection between yeah. these. Yeah. And I was thinking it's, it's actually a real chicken and egg situation. Yes, it is. Because... Um, it's not just that we recognize our shame has done a number on us mm-hmm. and decide I'm going to like forgive myself, speak true narratives over myself, and then I'll just magically be able to love. Because mm-hmm. actually the thing that's going to empower you to undo the shame, to speak the truth, like to actually receive the truth is actually going to be knowing that you're loved. That's right. And loving yourself. That's right. So yeah. it's like, they're, but, they're, but they, inter, they interplay with yes. each other. Yes. And I think that's the thing. Whenever I see things interplaying like that yeah. um, and it's complicated, rather than thinking, okay, well, what's the, the problem I have to solve so right. all the other dominoes fall in the right place? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. what are the two or three things here I have to like, if I'm trying, to, if I'm wrestling with one mm-hmm. and I'm frustrated, mm-hmm. maybe I ought to try and grab a hold of both together, mm-hmm. and then maybe I'll, you know, see some progress. Yes, yes. It's like where do I intervene to get that progress in mm-hmm. this kind of ball of yarn, if you will, yeah. right? And, you know, I'll often ask people: if you had an orange and you squeezed an orange, what would come out? Mm-hmm. Orange juice, right? That's the only thing that could come out of an orange. Unless it's a chocolate orange, just to be difficult. Oh. You know, because well, it is the time of year where you, you know, Christmas, you buy the chocolate orange. So. And is the chocolate on the inside or is it coated? Oh, it's solid chocolate. Oh, okay. Yes. Orange flavored chocolate. Then you would get so orange flavored chocolate. Uh-huh. I just want to make a plug uh-huh. for chocolate uh-huh. orange. They're uh-huh. great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so whether it's chocolate that's coming out of the chocolate orange or juice that's coming out of the other orange, it's the same goes for us. If we were, if you were to squeeze yourself, what would come out? So if I am sitting in shame-filled thoughts and I'm sitting in the emotion of shame and I have that critical voice telling me you're not enough for whatever reason, whether I'm, I, I'm um, looking at somebody else and comparing myself or hearing damaging, hurtful messages from my childhood, that critic is going to come out. That shame is going to come out in some way towards others. Mm. Now, I have this conversation often and people argue with me and they'll say, no, Heather, I actually can be completely compassionate and loving towards somebody else, but I hate myself and I can't be compassionate towards myself. Yes. And I'll push back and say, if we're truly loving somebody out of a pure giving of love to somebody, then we have to experience self-compassion for ourselves. And self-compassion is the antidote to suffering. Shame and critical voices are, we're suffering when we're in that space. Mm. 
So we have to experience compassion for ourselves in order to give pure love. Otherwise, I'll ascertain that, that the way we're loving, we're actually looking for some affirmation, some accolades, yeah. maybe we're the rescuer. Um, so we're looking for something else, whether we're aware of it or not. Now, how do we begin to accept ourselves and, and gain that compassion and love for ourselves? And I would say that it's really modeled in this story that Jesus says, hey, I forgive you for everything. Yeah. Now go and sin no more. But yeah. I'm still here. I'll give you more love and I'll give you more forgiveness. It's, it's a never-ending faucet of yeah. both. Yeah. Right? But until we get that inside of us, yeah. whatever we squeeze, it's going to come and, out. And we kind yeah. of know, I think people know that theologically, I'm accepted by Jesus. Mm. And there's, mm. that's a very powerful dynamic. Mm. But we do experience, I think lots of people have experienced that in like friendships or dating and marriage, things mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know lots of people I've, I've kind of watched or heard that dynamic of shame being undone mm. as they actually realize this person actually loves me. Mm. So mm-hmm. like the, the power of mm. love to mm-hmm. actually challenge the shame narrative mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because the, the shame is the voice that says mm-hmm. no one's going to love me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it creates a confusion when someone does. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And you, and I think you hit on a key point there, Richard, in, and there's kind of a how behind this, but we have to experience that love, right? We can't just know in our heads we're loved, we're accepted. We have to experience it somehow to override that experience of shame. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because I I talked about the vulnerability in love. Mm -hmm. And um, if you've got the shame dynamic and vulnerability is something you're averse to, Mm -hmm. to actually receive someone's love, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the Mm -hmm. dynamic of shame is someone's trying to love you Mm -hmm. and the voice in your head is saying they don't really or they shouldn't or uh, all manner of things, you know, like along those lines. Um, So it's sort of interesting, like how how does the cycle get broken Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, a part of this is just mm-hmm. thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, sometimes you look at human brokenness and you're like, yeah, there's no hope. Yeah. Like, but God resurrects. Like, yeah. this is what our God does. Yeah. But there are also like pathways God tends to use. Yeah. That's really bad grammar. There's pathways <laughs> God tends to use yeah. in the process of like bringing that healing, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, what. What would you say to someone who, you know, that 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 internal narrative, maybe, or maybe they're just aware, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Um, that they're having a hard time receiving? Because I, I actually yeah. think that, um, like, the the reality God loves you mm-hmm. is something we all flirt with, mm-hmm. but have the hardest time fully accepting. Yes. To really take that to heart mm-hmm. would require something so profound. I yes. don't think we're going to get it till the resurrection. Yeah, we're, we're on a journey. We're on yeah. a process, mm-hmm. and I mean that. And that's a part of this is mm-hmm. like all of these dynamics are processes rather yes. than like, oh, I decided and the world was different. Right. Um, right. Although we will talk about forgiveness and decisions at some point because okay. that's a dynamic as well. But yeah, I'm not really sure what the question is, but it it. 
it seems like a catch-22, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. like, yes, you, like that love is going to be one of the things that can release mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the possibility mm-hmm. of shame getting challenged and healed. Yeah. But that shame is the very thing that is going to take love and try try to sort of push it away. Right. Well, yes. Yeah, so a couple things are running through my head. One is the difficulty most of us have in receiving something. Right, the phrases we use, right? Someone comes for dinner, they bring a gift. Oh, you shouldn't have. Exactly. Even at Christmas mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we give each other mm-hmm, gifts and mm-hmm. have done for hundreds of years. Right. Oh, you shouldn't have. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's exactly. like, it, it's almost a reflex to say. Right? Yeah. Yes. Or someone like. Even a compliment. You know. Oh, no, oh, no, I'll, that's I'll, not I'll true. I'll buy your coffee. Uh-huh. Oh, you oh, don't no, have no. to do uh-huh. that. Don't do, you know. Yeah. 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 So, so interwoven into our culture. Yes, Exactly. Yeah. So that that difficulty to receive, and I want to come back to that because I think I know also that we all have these strategies that help us or protect us at one point in life. So the strategy of not being vulnerable actually at one point in our life either helped us or protected us. And maybe we were vulnerable with somebody and they hurt us. Or we were vulnerable and we got ostracized from a a group of friends or Mm -hmm. whatever. But we need to realize that we hold on to them, even though there's sometimes we, we would argue this, but we hold on to them because they're still protecting us somehow. Mm -hmm. So we have to get to the point and all strategies break down, but we have to get to that point where we're aware enough of this strategy of I'm going to live out of shame and I'm not going to live out of vulnerability. We have to be aware that we're doing it and we have to be stuck enough that we're saying, I'm willing to give this up in order to try something different. And theologically, what you're talking about there is a moment of repentance. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because repentance really is just that acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. This is broken. Yeah. I don't want to do this because this isn't going to work. Right. I need something else. Right. So we have repentance. Yeah. And Or I'm stuck and I'm ready to change. And then we have this notion of receiving on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so if we struggle to receive a compliment or struggle to receive a $2 cup of coffee... How much more do we struggle to receive the concept that we are 110% fully loved mm-hmm. and forgiven by God? Yeah. I think a whole lot, right? Yeah. It's just, I, I mean, I think we talked about this last time we talked as well. And then it's sort of so interesting in this story mm-hmm. in Luke mm-hmm. that Jesus is in this totally socially awkward situation <laughs> with this woman crying floods of tears washing his feet wiping you know his feet with her hair yeah and jesus is able to receive Mm -hmm. something in the most i mean this is like the most awkward reception of something Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. this is reception under such hard circumstances (laughs) um but it's really interesting that jesus has the capacity to receive but also his reception is so important for his relationship and his love of this woman. Right? Yes. Yes, because when we receive, we actually allow somebody else to give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we don't receive, we're saying, no, you can't actually be a giver. Yeah. So to have that reciprocal relationship 
we need both the yes. giving and the receiving. And right? it's, and he it's that reciprocal. Yeah, it's the reciprocal. Like value goes up on both sides. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, and, and it's interesting because there's a. You know, I think of like our relationships with self, others, and God. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. this plays out mm -hmm. in all of these ways. Mm -hmm. um, but it 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 is interesting. You know, our ability to even like self receive, like to actually speak something that we cognitively have learned is true, mm, have mm, figured out is mm -hmm, true, mm -hmm. you know, but we may not feel it yet mm -hmm. or we may feel trapped or stuck away from it mm -hmm. and to tell ourselves like, no, you can, God's going to give you access to that mm -hmm. or God's going to heal that. God's mm -hmm. going to do something about mm -hmm. that. You know, something's mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, it, mm -hmm. even in our own internal monologue, we have to overcome the courage mm -hmm. to repent, basically. Yeah. But then we also have to have the courage to receive. receive right. <laughs> yes. The whole notion of self-compassion, right? Again, compassion is the antidote to suffering. Mm. So all of us have suffering in our life, but to receive compassion from ourselves is very different than going out and trying to get compassion from everybody else. Mm. Now, it's on free offer from God absolutely all the time. It's also we have the ability to be compassionate towards ourselves. Yeah. And just receiving that is often very difficult. Yeah, le and let's connect, because we talked a bit about shame and this woman. Yep. But like one of the dynamics is Jesus saying your sins are forgiven. Yes. And so forgiveness is a dynamic here. Yes. And so, because I think forgiveness is a sort of gracious act of compassion. I think, mm -hmm. I think Tim Keller somewhere phrased it as, uh, you know, when someone sins, they are unjustly harmful to you. Mm. But when you forgive, you are unjustly kind to mm. them you like know, or that. merciful to them or something. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a shared injustice, but with totally different consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean... Oh, I don't know where to start. They're, they're also interconnected because I, I'm a, I'm a aware that you know I watch people sometimes yeah. and this dynamic of forgiveness and their shame narrative and things. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I I would say probably the commonest I see, and this might not be because it's statistically most common. It may be my experience in pastoral situations is mm -hmm. I just tend to bump into more of these. So mm -hmm. I'm interested what you think here, mm -hmm. but is where people they've kind of accepted the theological truth that God's forgiven them. Okay. So they feel like they can offer things to God and, and the walls have sort of come down mm -hmm. in their ability to maybe give things to God, expect things from God. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't seem to have penetrated to realizing that you can then forgive yourself. Ah. And that seems to be the biggest disjoint mm -hmm. where like maybe the same thing about yourself mm -hmm. is like yeah god god's forgiven me mm -hmm. but i'm still ashamed of mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and, and does what is your perspective on that have you really received forgiveness if you're still in that position or is there still more room to receive forgiveness if you're in that position yeah i well i think this gets to one of the bad theologies of forgiveness okay okay so I think that when lots of people have been told the gospel, they've been told it in a way where forgiveness is your destiny. Mm. So you have full, secure assurance that 
when the books are opened at the resurrection, it will say, you know, it will say innocent, forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, we tend to frame forgiveness that way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and we relate to God kind of as the the one who sees past, present, and future. And so he's God's able to interact with that version of myself. Mm, mm-hmm. But that version of myself isn't the here and now version of mm, myself. Mm-hmm. It's God will forgive, not you are forgiven mm-hmm. now. Mm. And I, I don't think... I, I think if you start to question that, people will be like, oh, no, of course I'm forgiven here mm-hmm. and now. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the pennies dropped for us. Mm-hmm. That uh, you're yeah, living I, out of that forgiveness. Yeah, we we tend to think a little bit of it as a, a future, th- like yeah. a present promise of a future reality. Uh, and I think the way the Bible talks about forgiveness, there's actually quite a lot, even just in the New Testament, mm-hmm. that's about the present and the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, yeah, it's it's all it's all mixed in, but mm-hmm. basically the process of mm-hmm. forgiveness mm-hmm. that we actually stand in relation to a God who says, "I am going to be the forgiver of you," yeah, and I'm going to relate to you as forgiver because I've got so much love, mm-hmm. and all the costs of all the forgiveness that's going to be needed mm-hmm. are there's a supply for, yeah. Um, and and like it says in First John, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you mm-hmm. and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So not just like that technical abstract we're forgiven, mm-hmm. but the actual reconciliation mm-hmm. and healed mm-hmm. relationship and mm-hmm. things put right. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if we had a theology that, dare I say, was maybe a little bit more Catholic, mm-hmm. which I think maybe they miss out on some of the destiny part, mm-hmm. that, like not all, but mm-hmm. some people who are Catholic have a bit of a like, yeah, my forgiveness is maybe in jeopardy, but mm-hmm. as long as I can keep getting the sacraments, then I can keep going to the fountain mm-hmm. to keep receiving forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I think actually like there is something true in that dynamic where we probably need, not probably, I think theologically do yeah. <laughs> yes. need to be constantly receiving yes. forgiveness. Yes. And, and, and it's not like, oh, man, you know, I blew it yesterday. Yes. Is that one forgiven as well, God? Yeah, yeah. don't worry. When yeah. the books are open, that one's going to say forgiven too. Yeah. But actually the reception of yes. forgiveness, where I what I actually need is I doubt my my worth, my, yes. my love, yes. my lovability. Mm-hmm. And I need God to say, I still love you, Richard. Yes. That's forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and there is something freeing in me appropriating the realness yeah. of God's forgiveness and yeah. love. And what I hear you talking about as I listen to you, Richard, is the notion of forgiveness is a process. It's a continual receiving. It's a continual living out of. It's never ending yeah. versus you, you, like the product no one, no one's gonna that come I'm done, you, check. Yeah, no one's going to come to you for, you know, for therapy for a year, work on forgiveness and be like, I'm done now. Right. Rest right. of my life, I'm not going to need to think about this. Right. No, it's a continual <laughs> receiving, a continual living. It is living in process versus yeah. product, check sheet, done. Yeah. 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 Um, my 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 late mentor uh, gave me this concept, and she said, "Forgiveness is like a white sheet of paper. White sheet of paper, Heather." She said, "Every day you need to take that white sheet of paper, and that's how you need to see yourself, and that's how you need to see everybody else. 
So if you hold up a sheet of paper and you see a mark on it for mm-hmm. yourself or somebody else, you know you need to be in the process of forgiving or receiving forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's been really helpful, a helpful tool to me. I literally have a white sheet of paper f- framed in my office mm. to look cool. up yeah. um, and see, you know, am I receiving your forgiveness, God? Because again, his love, my visual is that his love and his forgiveness is just a continual turned on faucet of water running. And am I soaking in it and receiving it or yeah. am I not? And partly I think it's because we're so broken and our culture is trying to speak so much shame into us. Mm-hmm. If we get out from under the flow of that, mm-hmm. we just start to get into other narratives so mm-hmm. quickly. Right. And so it's, yeah, there's something deeply healthy knowing the situation we're in as broken humans mm-hmm. in a broken world mm-hmm. to actually create rhythms mm-hmm. of like putting ourselves mm-hmm. in contact with that reality in mm-hmm. in that uh, sort of transaction, mm-hmm. which, you know, mm-hmm. on Sunday we mm-hmm. pointed to communion, but mm-hmm. I think of like prayers of confession as a regular part of like Mm -hmm. our rhythm of our day Mm -hmm. and things like that Mm -hmm. there's so many easy ways for us to reach out and i I do think it's one of those things is like um (laughs) confessions are a really hard thing to do until you start doing it and you realize it's really not as bad as you think (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it can feel like oh man to constantly like bring this reality in my foreground that would be really hard yeah that's the voice of shame saying maybe it won't work for you maybe it won't work as well you know that but once you start to wire your psyche yeah with the the solid expectation of what will happen mm-hmm. when you go to god mm-hmm. in confession mm-hmm. yeah um it it makes it approachable right well and psychological speaking least speaking we know that awareness is not only the first step in change it's actually change begins when we become aware. Yeah. And so that becoming aware piece yeah. is critical both theologically and There's a reason all the Greek virtue ethicists, you uh, know, that mandate of know thyself right. was so important yes. to our, our formation as moral exactly. beings. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a process that I that I use that I've found really helpful with the whole notion of forgiveness, whether we're forgiving ourselves or forgiving somebody else. And it goes back to this Bible verse we're talking about in Luke. And the first one is to look at all the ways this other person has blessed you if we're forgiving somebody else. Mm. So looking at all the goodness that this person has brought into your life. Mm. And then the second is stepping into their shoes and looking at all the ways they've been hurt, not by you necessarily, but just all the ways they've been hurt by life. And then writing down all the things that you need to forgive them and literally one by one simply saying, Lord, I choose to forgive this person for this event. It made me feel X Mm -hmm. and I choose to release it permanently to you. So those are just three, that's just a practical way that every day you can say, okay, I know I need to forgive my husband for this. Here's how he's blessed me. Here's how he's been hurt too. Here's what I need to release to God. Mm-hmm. So it's a continual process yeah. again, because I think we often, I mean, we, I know we carry this crap in our backpacks. It weighs us down and uh, we go, okay, maybe I can do this one time forgiveness of this huge mound of stuff. 
versus just continually each day, what do I need to release? Yeah. And what do I need to receive? The expectation and the possibility of forgiveness happening is going to be a litmus test of the kind of the quality, the type of relationship it is. Right. And if it is the one-time thing, that's not like, I mean, first of all, it's going to be really hard to actually um, offer and see forgiveness received mm-hmm. about a whole sack load of crap mm-hmm. in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Right, it is. <laughs> That's a lot to process. That's a lot to process. So it's probably not actually worked as well as you think. Yeah. But also like that one time and then we can go back to being normal. Right. Like is not actually changing the quality of relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're going to find it's going to build up and mm-hmm. you're going to get to the mm-hmm. same sort of mm-hmm. I mean, problem again. Mm-hmm. And, and I, this brings us on because this is another thing I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. is like forgiving others. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with, cause I feel like it's another place where there's bad theology. Mm. And I really like what you said about like thinking about that person, how they've been hurt, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Cause what you're, I don't think saying is, yeah, think about that person's blessed you and you know what cost benefit analysis is probably worth forgiving them because I want, I want the benefits. Mm, mm-hmm. That would just be contractualism. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it's not thinking, Oh you know, They've been hurt too. So that stuff they did, it wasn't really their fault. Like, no, like there's, there's blameworthiness, mm-hmm. but it's empathizing with the person that mm-hmm. you're blaming. Exactly. And, and it helps contextualize the sense you have of wanting to make things right and thinking how important mm-hmm. like it is and how it ought to be made mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sort of, it, it reshapes things. Well, it allows you to bit. see the humanness, the common yeah. humanity yeah. in the other person. And, mm-hmm. and it just thinking how much, I mean, we have a word for that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, I mean, everyone does, but Christians use it a lot, humility. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one of those bits of theology where, I, where I've, I've, I've heard sermons, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, well, you know, Jesus forgave you. Mm-hmm. So how dare you not forgive mm-hmm. someone? What a shame-based message yes. that is. Jesus actually. forgiving you uh-huh. should have made you so humble. Uh-huh. You don't dare not forgive anyone. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in which the brute reality of that has probably the right ingredients, mm-hmm. but with the wrong storyline. Yeah, It's a very shame-based yeah. way of looking at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the sort of, I mean, we just talked about shame for mm-hmm. a while, like mm-hmm. the strategic folly mm-hmm. of trying to motivate forgiveness through mm-hmm. shame. Right. <laughs> Talk about shooting uh-huh. yourself in the foot uh, right. with a shotgun. <laughs> uh, keep you mired in it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, I, I think the good theology, though, mm-hmm is, uh, you know, it's the way Jesus makes a difference mm-hmm. to our ability to forgive. Mm-hmm. So Jesus died to to provide for the forgiveness of sins, mm-hmm. which means I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. But it also means, because when we forgive someone, there's like, hey, you did something that, that hurt mm-hmm. or cost me. Mm-hmm. And if I am going to forgive you, I'm going to relinquish my ownership of getting that cost paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the differences Jesus makes is actually Christians of all people ought to be able to look to Jesus mm-hmm. and say, I really want to forgive this person, but it's going to cost me 20 bucks or probably something more meaningful. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of having something to talk about, 20 bucks, I think Jesus is able to say, I will provide the 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like the things it's going to cost you to forgive, I will be the supply for. Because when you forgive, you do risk 
like, will I be okay without mm. that being made right mm-hmm. through reparation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. a, a sort of sensible question mm-hmm. in lots of scenarios. Um, but But it kind of, it gets at the goal of forgiveness. Is the goal revenge? You know, I'm down 20 bucks and the world's, I'm not going to feel settled in this world until I'm not, I, and because we want justice. Yeah. And our reflex for justice is a good God-given gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the goal of justice is reconciliation. Yeah. And the way to reconciliation, like the demands of justice is one way, mm-hmm. but the offer for, of forgiveness like forgiveness is still a form of justice. Well, it sets us free, right? Yeah. And th- and that's the point. I mean, there are horrific things that have been done to people and to forgive is not to forget. Yes. But to forgive is to receive the freedom of not carrying around the unforgiveness. Yes. And living out of that So important. And I remember we talked about this, didn't mm-hmm. we? It's, it's um forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. It isn't, no. Because sometimes, I I mean, I've had this conversation, I'm sure you have, with lots of people of like, I really want to forgive X. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've done, I don't think they even know how they've hurt me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or and they're so, not ready to come to the table. Yeah. It takes two to reconcile, yes. right? And, and so it just feels like, what's the point in mm-hmm. forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I guess this is because it's like, like, what are the costs? How do they get dealt with? Jesus makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So that's one side. What are the benefits? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the benefit isn't that reconciliation is immediate and automatic, mm-hmm. but it opens a path to reconciliation where you're not going to use the leverage you have of being able to blame someone mm-hmm. as the tool you're going to use to try to shame them into reconciliation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which when you think about it, is probably doomed to failure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or at least it's mm-hmm. not the healthiest mm-hmm. version mm-hmm. of reconciliation mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and that's the thing is like that person who's not ready to talk or doesn't mm-hmm. even realize how they've wronged you mm-hmm. your ability to approach that person mm-hmm. and launch into a process mm-hmm. of reconciliation mm-hmm. is going to be so much stronger mm-hmm. from a place of being able to actually let them know mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. forgiven them mm-hmm. in reality mm-hmm. and that you want reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it will it gives you forgiveness gives you the ability to love them in yeah. an entirely different way. When we hold on to unforgiveness, try as we may, we're not going to love in a very pure yeah. way because we're just loving through all the garbage, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I recently had uh an example of this happened in my life that was quite profound. And I have a sister who's two years younger who, short story, I've invited down to our house multiple times a month for the last 12 years, and there's always been a reason she couldn't come down. She finally came down this weekend to celebrate Thanksgiving, and I so deeply wanted to ask a why question. But I know mm-hmm. why questions put people on the defensive. But I wanted to know why all these no's for all these years. And when I stopped and thought about it, I thought, I'm holding on to resentment, which is I'm holding on to unforgiveness 
for her saying no so often. And so I'm going to forgive her for that. And as I let that go between me and God and just let that go and really turn to her and just said, Shannon, I really like being with you. I'm so grateful you're here and just honestly loved her in a pure way, not with this tinge of resentment Mm. coming through. And about day two, she looked at me and actually my husband, Bill, and she said, I feel so loved in this house. Mm. And I thought, Whoa. Now there's the power of giving a clean sheet of paper, forgiving in process so that I can love in process Mm. and make a difference. And that's so countercultural because, I mean, I, a little while ago, we, we mentioned the word decision and I was like, we'll have to come back to that. Okay. And this is the example, right? Yeah. Um, in our culture of wanting things to be authentic, wanting to feel before we act, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Offering forgiveness is counterintuitive because mm-hmm. it's actually speaking a reality over someone, over it's changing the expectation, mm-hmm. the, the setting of a relationship when it actually still feels icky or yucky or mm-hmm. hurtful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really hard. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. There's that other side <laughs> of us that just wants to So there's a, there's a fight. Mm-hmm. There's a battle mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is it as simple as if you make the right decision, your experiences will actually follow? Or is it a messier process of, well, you may realize you made the decision, but it wasn't complete yet and there's more work to do you know is it a sort of messy complicated you know is sometimes our forgiveness partial and we learned hey there's still a bit left mm-hmm. uh, you know just I, yeah i mean i think anything psychological or theological yeah. is messy it is when we're learning we're messy because i'm thinking people might listen and be like mm-hmm. okay i'm gonna try some decisions mm-hmm. but they might be discouraged mm. if it's not you know it's not, it's not it one be. and done. Yeah. It's not one and done. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to breathe that expectation over everyone because my experience is, you know, I forgive and then learn. I'm going to have to keep working at that decision Absolutely. and keep learning what that decision really needs to look like. I have one of uh, uh, a client that I work with um, occasionally brings a portable shredder to session. Okay. And I love this both in actuality and the visual. And I know when the shredder's coming to session, it's because she has something she needs to forgive her husband for. Mm. And so not only do we look at the things he does well and the way he's been hurt and what she needs to forgive him for, but after she's forgiven him, she takes a piece of paper, writes it down and shreds it. Mm. So it's just a tangible way of saying, God, I've received your forgiveness, I forgive him, and now I'm shredding this document that says what it is. So, yeah, yeah, it is a continual, ongoing, again, back to its process, not product. Yeah, but it's important to, I don't know, underline that the version of this where you experience the reconciliation and feel like they've made it right, Mm -hmm. and so I can say I forgive you, That's not actually forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Were you using the word forgiveness to mean you've made things right? Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is when you say to someone, you haven't made it right, and I feel a tension between us, yes. and I want to do something about it. Yeah. And it's the initiation yep. of that process. Yep. Um, yeah. Otherwise, if you wait to feel, then 
you're not actually ever going to forgive. <laughs> and that would be tragic. Because it is like, I mean, we. I think we've talked a bit about why it's good and we could probably have a whole conversation about why it's a preeminent like tool for relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe it's enough to just say that like God chose this way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. God wants to reconcile the whole of creation mm-hmm. and make all things new. Mm-hmm. And he fights for justice. Mm-hmm. He disciplines. He works at reconciliation. He mm-hmm. does all of these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do need to, f- like, we rightfully feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. And God has a way of interacting with our shame, you know, helping us, like, realize that the kind of suffering you talked about, mm-hmm. like, God redeems through interacting with the suffering that brokenness causes. Mm-hmm. But God's preeminent tool has been to come and actually um, become. I mean, this is a good Advent thing, right? Uh, to have become a human. Yeah. Like the Philippians, to have emptied himself, to have become fully vulnerable mm-hmm. in order to express love mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. forgiveness, mm-hmm. through sacrifice, mm-hmm. through bearing the cost. Mm-hmm. Which equals freedom, doesn't it? Yeah. I and mean, that's the word that keeps coming to mind. Yeah. Freedom, which is so antithetical to the stuckness. Yeah. We experience in shame and lack of forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. freedom's such a big word. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's that's a very pleasing place to finish. First okay. week, first week of Advent. Okay, it is while well, we're recording this now. Might be the second week when we release it on Sunday, mm-hmm. but um, that does tie into like actually the incarnation mm. is itself a sort of becoming vulnerable mm-hmm. in order to communicate mm-hmm. that love and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. actually everything we've talked about, there's something about Christmas that might bring God's offer of that into the foreground for us, mm-hmm. which is that's that could be really beautiful to dwell on. So yeah. So there you go, everyone. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff about lots of topics. Fun with Heather. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. My pleasure. Think about these things. And uh, yeah, hopefully some of these practical things we've talked about, you can try them on, mm-hmm. try them out, see how Absolutely. they work. And we'll catch you next time. Okay. God bless. Mm-hmm.